Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Welcome to the Nugent Ventures podcast. Uh, back by popular demand. I mean, if depending on how you define the word popular, but you know, people miss me. At least one person misses me when I'm gone. And so far be it for me to deprive people of my wit and wisdom, such as it is. Um, today we will. Uh, today is the, of course. Uh, is Labor Day. And Labor Day is an interesting holiday to me because, you know, on one hand we celebrate uh, the work that people do and the workers who do it. And on the other hand, it's uh, more or less a union uh, type of a day. And I have mixed emotions about unions. I mean, some of my more liberal friends always bring up that 1937 massacre at uh, Republic Steel um, when the cops shot the protesters. And certainly, I worked there myself, actually, one summer. And by then, it was all unionized. And the, the trouble, of course, was that the unions had taken things to such an extreme with work rules and everything else that uh, the steel business became uncompetitive and basically, I mean, it's still here, but basically it vanished. And, you know, U.S. Steel closed, Republic closed, all the mills in Chicago closed. And part of that was, you know, the, the green movement, the environmental movement, but we still need steel, so now we're dependent, to, to, to some extent at least, on foreign suppliers who are not unionized. So when you get into a globalization scenario, union labor just can't compete. If, if the unions end up raising wages and, and stifling productivity... So only about 12% of workers now are unionized, and most of those are public sector workers, I believe. The service employees, uh, international union or whatever, SEIU. And, you know, the public sector is grossly inefficient. So, you know, the workers' paradise doesn't seem to work. In, in a capitalist environment, if you use unions your productivity suffers. Now, I will say, like, in Germany, they have more guild type of unions, and things do seem to, you know, the Germans are pretty efficient, obviously. But it depends on who's in the union, too, right? I mean, Germans... One doesn't like to stereotype, but Germans tend to just be efficient and hardworking by nature, you know? So... If men were angels, you wouldn't need any laws, and Germans, from the point of view of productivity and such, just are somewhat angelic. So, you know, I have mixed emotions, as I do about most things, about Labor Day and unions, and enough said about that. Now, let's talk about what was in the Tribune over the weekend. There wasn't much. Um... This Texas abortion thing is getting to the point where, you know, uh, many of my particularly female uh, 
friends are inundating Facebook with memes about uh, pro-choice and, you know, going to war with Texas and uh, calling Texans the Texas Taliban. So it almost gets to the point where, you know, if you go back to the uh, Civil War, you know, the United States, the Union, fought the Confederacy basically to keep them in as much as to free the slaves. But um, you wonder if the blue states would fight to keep the red states in. I think they'd just as soon see them go, frankly. Because liberals, uh, progressives on the web make the argument that, you know, the blue states are net uh, losers in terms of federal revenues because a lot of money goes to the to the red states. And they don't generate as much tax revenue. So, you know... It's a lo- It's a loss leader, you know. Let them go, and uh, if you keep pushing, I've been in Texas a lot. And if you keep pushing Texas, you know, uh, don't mess with Texas. You know, that's the the mantra. I could almost see two countries. You know, like sort of a uh, Czechoslovakia type, of Czech Republic and and Slovakia, a division. And that would resolve an awful lot of the tensions we have in this country. You can't continue to have a 50-50 divide of power and gridlock forever. And, uh, you know, like the when the Soviet Union broke up, uh, they, Russia kept all the nukes. In this case, I don't know what we would do with the nukes. But you could cooperate on military. You could have like a NATO structure where the, the military basically, uh, I mean, we're not going to be doing any more overseas adventure after this Afghanistan debacle. So that would be a little bit of an issue. But everything else I think you could pretty much divide. And just, you know, people who think one way go to the red states. People who think the other way go to the blue states. And let's hope they don't go to war with each other. But uh, if you keep pushing Texas like this. Now, I personally think that the governor there passed this law knowing that he it's going to be declared unconstitutional. So it's a great political stunt uh, for his base, and yet it won't actually come to pass. But I... There's an article in here by, uh, in the Trib by Clarence Page, who's still on the roster at the Trib. And this is one of the reasons why I think some of the Democrats want to almost retroactively impeach Trump. It's like a posthumous execution. Sometimes they used to do that. Even if the guy was dead, they'd dig him up and chop his head off because they want to nullify the Supreme Court that he put together. He got the name three Supreme Court justices. And that's basically what created this margin. So the Supreme Court is no longer as divided on a razor's edge as Congress is and as the White House is on on every four-year basis, so a quadrennial basis. So I think that explains a lot. You know, this this 
uh, Roe v. Wade issue has been a real lover. And it's kind of thing that happens when you when you separate morality from legality. Uh, a lot of the uh, things that happened in the 60s and 70s separated the tradition, the Abrahamic moral tradition from the legal system. And you, at the same time, had the sexual revolution that separated uh, procreation from sex. So you had uh, sex become recreation versus procreation. And that opened up a lot of things like Roe v. Wade. You know, Searle up here in up north uh, discovered the birth control pill, and that really revolutionized things. So you had a lot of, you know, uh, sexual revolution in the air, free love, this, that. And that's where guys like Cosby uh, were created. Cosby was a regular at uh, the Playboy Club. Hugh Hefner was kind of the the poster boy for uh, sexual revolution. And now we almost have a puritanical uh, backlash with Me Too and... You know, all this other stuff. But anyways, Texas Taliban rhetoric is uh, pretty provocative down there. And we'll see what happens. But Clarence says that, you know, and this is a pretty moderate position, that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Now... Clarence also points out that there were three, like three big Supreme Court decisions among many more, really. Uh, he says that the Roe v. Wade stands out in his memory as one of the court's most consequential decisions since 1954 Brown v. Board of Education, which triggered all the desegregation problems in, in the schools in the, in the 50s and 60s, and that was tough. And that was right, actually, in uh, the broader spectrum of things. You know, uh, the whole segregate, the breakdown of segregation, there was another ruling in the 40s that broke down restrictive covenants. Now, some of the results of that, I think, were not good for anybody. You know, like what happened to South Shore, I don't think was good for anybody. What happened to Chicago Public Schools was not particularly good for anybody, but that was no great loss to begin with. Except if you look at South Shore High School, it used to be one of the top schools in the country. Now it's, I don't even know if it still exists. So I think that those decisions certainly, uh, you know, were morally right in a lot of ways, but had some very disastrous results for all parties involved, regardless of race, in my opinion. Uh, let's see, what else does he have to say? But all those things really are what destroyed America as we knew it when we grew up and created America as we know it now. Now he points out the poor tend to be penalized the most. Women of means can find alternatives more easily, depending on their resources. I don't know if I buy that popping a greyhound, you know, but it, this is a six-week trigger. Uh, so the only way you're going to run into trouble is 
if you wait too long. And I don't know, I mean, I suppose I shouldn't talk about it, because men aren't supposed to talk about these things, I guess. But, you know, what do I care? There is always the alternative of of using all the many birth control methods that exist, and then there's uh, abstinence, chastity, you know, out of vogue. I, I also, I shouldn't probably say this, but since I have so few listeners... I think the poor tend to have kids more so than than the 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 richer, you know. I think if you tracked abortions by socioeconomics, I mean, it seems to me that for, uh, fertility and uh, reproduction is more robust at the lower economic strata than the higher these days. So anyway. So Dilbert uh, talks about uh, reproducing robots. Uh, I read something about self-replicating machines, and maybe that's where we'll end up here. But Dilbert is worth reading. I won't try to do a, a comic strip for you. I'm not that good. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Peanuts was pretty good. I saved the comics for some reason. I can't remember why. Off they go. Into the recycling bin. Along with most of the other stuff I'm going to be talking about today. There, There's an article here about words and phrases that make people think less of you professionally. By Maria Haggerty. And she opens up by saying, radio host Bernard Meltzer is famously quoted as having said, before you speak, ask yourself if what you're going to say is true, is kind, is necessary, is helpful. If the answer is no, maybe what you are about to say should be left unsaid. Well, on the South Side, I would say that... (laughs) Everybody might as well be mute, you know, because that's not how we roll over there on the south side. But uh, anyway, it's a good quote. I think I'm going to say that. I think in professional situations, those are pretty good guides. But if you're in a bar on Western Avenue, probably not so much. Now, I must tell you, this is pretty slim pickings from the Tribune. it was not a very insight-packed edition. Here's five keys to personal growth in the great pandemic do-over by Howard Tolman under success in, in the business section. And Lord knows I am in search of success. So Howard... For those of you who don't know, used to run 1871. And this is not your typical vanilla self-help uh, article. He quotes, for example, Ayn Rand, who's very unpopular in progressive circles. She said, the world you desired can be won. So that's inspirational, right? And uh, then he quotes Bruce Springsteen. 
says it takes away from your soul when you do what you don't believe in. And that is true. I have done what I don't believe in for most of my career, really. Started out at Montgomery Ward selling junk and then worked for the AMA. I, I pretty much, I didn't really, I, I was very sympathetic toward the cause of the physicians, but the AMA didn't, in my mind, spend that much time trying to help them. Uh, spent their money on junk. And then I worked for MMS, and I don't know. I mean, that was just a business, so that wasn't real difficult. So I guess the first two jobs were more... But then there would be policies that the company would have that I wouldn't agree with, you know. So now I work for myself, and, you know, I write about stuff. And, uh, you know, it's like being a speechwriter. You don't necessarily have to agree with the position you're being asked to articulate but uh most of my clients are are you know per- perfectly uh justified in what they're saying you know one of them makes big machines and the other one uh is a business valuation guy and then another one of those hopefully and then i've got an outfit called imac uh which is the Illinois Manufacturing Excellence Center, I believe. And, you know, they're writing stuff like environmental, social, governance, and some of which, you know, I buy into, some of which I don't. But it's all businessy stuff, so I have no issues there. And this podcast is brought to you by Terrific Writing, so if you know anybody who needs anything written... Refer them to me. We're never too busy for referrals. So, uh, back to Howard and his five points. One is face up to things you've avoided or denied for years. Wow. I mean, this is pretty heavy stuff. You know, Howard's a big shooter. Two, forego commitments, obligations, and entanglements that are no longer meaningful, valuable, or important to you like club memberships and board seats. Well, this is not the average person, <laughs> obviously. Howard's on a lot of boards and things. Most of us aren't. I'm on, a, I'm on one. Finalize all those tentative and dangling undertakings and open-ended intentions and aspirations. I think that's a good idea. I've, I've pretty much done that. I've kind of walked away from some stuff that... I wasn't getting any traction in and focused on the writing. Do it or dump it. Fish or cut bait. Half-hearted efforts are distractions that suck time and energy from your forward progress and still leave you unhappy and unsatisfied. He quotes Ayn Rand again. Ayn Rand, I think it is. Rand called these the hopeless swamps of the approximate, the not quite, the not yet, the not at all. She was no one to be trifled with. And Alan Greenspan was one of her big acolytes. Ex-chair of the Federal Reserve. So that was back in the free market heyday, probably between 1980 and 2007. And then the big crash happened. And that was a big, big disaster in a lot of ways. And ever since then, the The free market has been under attack. 
Four, focus on a few critically important objectives and do those things as well as possible, which kind of goes along with three. And that's a good idea, too. Forgive people for their youthful indiscretions, uncontrollable passions, slights, imagined and otherwise, and other stupid mistakes, because everyone, including you, is entitled to a chance to change. And this speaks to the current environment. I'm going to quote heavily from this. He says, everyone gets one pass and a chance to show that they've changed. Especially in politics, we need a virtual statute of limitations on stupidity, not merely in terms of legal or financial accountability, but a practical bar, an agreed-upon prohibition against even mentioning acts of juvenile and unthinking stupidity that took place years ago, more than a dozen years ago, when the alleged wrongdoer was in college. Frankly, the same thing goes for your own HR people who spend way too much time looking for warts rather than focusing on the bigger positive picture of the person in front of them. Yearbook investigations spanning past decades in the faint and sleazy hope of finding an embarrassing photo or two should be regarded as the wrong-headed and hypocritical wastes of time that they have always been. The entire gotcha culture is both the last desperate act of a print-slash-video industry desperate for relevance and revenues, and what seems to be the entire reason de toi for the Facebook-Google ad tech duopoly, which is algorithmically driven by manufactured clickbait controversies, cheap sensational headlines, and misleading Chiron streaming banners. And those of you who aren't familiar with that terminology, that's the the little banner that runs underneath the cable news. A few obvious and long overdue changes might mean that otherwise entirely competent candidates for any number of positions in multiple industries, and especially in government, will no longer be precluded from pursuing these opportunities by virtue of the media egged on by the culture cancelers on both sides of any topic, seizing upon and spewing overheated exaggerations and phony outrage about their youthful indiscretions. We all need to take a breath and give each other a break from the hate and rampant ugliness of the Trump years, when there was nothing too low and no lie too great to say about another person. As a country and as individuals, we can do better than that. Well, I can't approve upon that in any way. I think that's just absolutely spot on. And, uh, you know, this whole uh, clickbait thing is really one of the negatives of social media. And it tends to stir the pot. You know, people I haven't seen in 40 years now, I spend, well, actually, one guy I did get together with just to figure out why he was the way he was. Oh, you know, every day we argue with each other because he's like a Bernie Sanders guy and I'm not. So, you know, what's the point of that? I don't know. But you get sucked into it, I'll tell you. It is not good. So anyway, that's, uh, that's Howard for you. And he he tells it like it is.
in my opinion. So I'll probably hang on to that one. I could say it a little less forcefully, perhaps in some professional endeavor. Now here's an article about time well spent uh, by Marco Buscaglia, who's a regular writer in this jobs and work section. Works for Tribune Publishing. So, I don't know if any of you are going to be looking for work, but one of the things he says is one quick fix uh, for a resume is don't talk about your past. Focus on the value to your potential employers. Uh, So there's a statement here like, I'm the perfect liaison between your client and your company, the essential facilitator who works with your sales, production, delivery, and maintenance teams to ensure 100% customer satisfaction, resulting in increased sales and revenue. That was the replacement for this statement. With 18 years of experience, I consistently helped customers achieve their goals. So it's like, what can you do for your next employer, not what did you do for your last one? Or at least put your experience within the context of that. And this article is by Marco. So he quotes someone named Thompson, who's a resume coach, I think. Backing up a statement about your proficiency with actual numbers is always a good idea. Well, the last good number I've got really goes back to like 1989. But, better than nothing, I suppose. So, because I do hold the record for a number of members and dues revenue with the American Medical Association, in spite of the fact that they were not satisfied with my performance. Nobody ever did any better. And that wasn't obviously just because of me. Lots of other things happened, but, you know, you got to claim whatever victory you can in this world. So, that is about the size of it today, listeners. So, uh, live long, prosper, wear your mask. Enjoy your Labor Day, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.